Human Vortex Training and Menachem Brody present the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, where we talk strength training, physiology, psychology, tech, and much more to help you get fitter, faster, and stronger in and out of your sport, giving you expert insights, talking with other leading experts. And now, your host, world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. Today, we're actually uh, inserting this into the rotation a couple months early as uh, there was a post in the Paladino Power Project Facebook group about integration of strength training into the Paladino Power Project. Now, if you're not familiar with the Paladino Power Project, that means either you are not running with a stride power meter or you just haven't found Steve's fantastic post. Now, Steve is one of the first people who jumped into running plans with power. I've actually gotten a couple athletes here in Israel hooked onto running with power as I purchased some pods uh, right when Stride released them about three and a half, four years ago. Uh, got them hooked on running with power as well as uh, a couple folks that just the last couple of uh, months or the last year, I should say, as I uh, broke my fibula and then had my meniscus tear and realized that uh, running big miles, and for me, big miles is a 5K, so it's not that much, uh, is not going to be an option. So I sold those off and have more people running with power. So today, uh, we're going to be a little bit out of rhythm, if you will. So we just had last week the Jonas Deichmann episode, but I wanted to insert this one because it's very, very relevant uh, to all of you out there who are endurance athletes and looking to add strength training into your uh, endurance training during the winter, or if you're following the Vortex method uh, year-round. And that's really how it should be done, but we're going to talk about that as we go through this. Uh, we're going to keep this episode to half an hour, so uh, we'll see what the time looks like. Maybe we'll wind up doing uh, two episodes, part one, part two, or maybe even it will be three. But this is an important conversation that we must have as cyclists, triathletes, and runners because we've seen a huge shift in endurance sports going from, well, I don't need to strength train because I'm going to get big and bulky to, oh, well, I need to lift heavy shit. And this is a problem because we've gone from totally against and uh, avoiding it, like the plague or corona, if you will, would be the modern plague, unfortunately. Uh, And then on the other side of things, we now have swung the pendulum the other way and have said, well, uh, I need to lift heavy shit. So there's a problem on both ends of these. It's an extreme of one end to the other, and that's what we're going to dive into. Now, before we get into today's meat and potatoes of the episode, uh, two quick announcements here. Number one is the Strength Training for Cyclists certification is going to open February 14th to 21st, 2021. Uh, We've made a couple upgrades. You have a ton of content in there, including over 75 progressions and regressions for the push-pull, squat, hinge, press, rotary stability, jumping acceleration, jumping deceleration, as well as three different setups to challenge your trunk, or if you want, your core. Now, uh, this is the most in-depth and detailed program out there in strength training for endurance athletes. There's nothing else like it. You're not going to find anything for triathlon or running. Uh, I've done the research. Although previous guest Jason Fitzgerald of Strength Running himself has a couple good programs uh, out there for strength training for running. So if you haven't checked that episode out, hit the subscribe button, give us a review, and uh, listen to Jason and check out his strength training plans. 
Now, some of you may be asking, well, Brody, isn't this your podcast? Why are you telling us to go to Jason's page? And we have a couple guests coming up uh, that they themselves are excellent strength coaches, and I'm encouraging you to go to them. The reason is, is because there's enough fish in the sea. I can help those who are the right people for me to help, but Jason will help some of you who are looking for a pure running aspect as opposed to cycling and triathlon and running. Uh, so I want you to find the right coach for you. I don't expect to be able to serve uh, everybody, but I do want to serve the right people. And in fact, I just had a, a phone call last week that I referred somebody out uh, over to Jason. So this is how it works. This is how good coaches work. It's not about me, me, me. It is about you, you, you. Uh, this is all about you. So speaking of which, which, uh, let's get to the second announcement, which is if you would like a full 12-week program to get you ready for gravel, the Strength Training for Gravel Riders program is now available over on the Train Heroic platform. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, or in the show description, rather. Uh, and that leads us to our third announcement, which is part of 2021 here is we're going to go back and we are doing show notes for all 70 Five, well now 76 episodes that we've had. So those will be popping up over on the Human Vortex training website, as well as a new opt-in. So if you have already opted in uh, for the original, the all about intervals, uh, and you would like to get the new opt-in, uh, you can email me. I'll send it over to you. Uh, make sure you get on the newsletter list. Actually, you can sign up. If it doesn't send it to you automatically, just let me know and we'll get you straightened out. All right, now let's get into today's main focus. And that is uh, a, a post from Brian D over in the Paladino project from back in September. So uh, he asked Steve, and by the way, Steve is great with this group. If you don't already belong there, uh, just to learn. I, I strongly recommend it if you're a triathlon coach or, or a running coach, uh, you need to be in this group because uh, Steve's got some really great um, perspective on things. And he's a, a guest here in 2021. So again, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a review. So the question is concerning your thoughts on integration of strength training into the Paladino Power Project, uh, quoted here, P3 plans. Specifically, when adding weightlifting to one's program, would you recommend to continue with optional core and mobility workouts, or might one omit these sessions in favor of recovery time? So we're going to stop here with the first part of this, uh, addressing this question. So core slash mobility. We need to break down what exactly is the core. And this is something that we've done here on the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast already. Uh, we've talked about what exactly is the core. The core is everything between your neck, knees, and elbows. There is no stomach, uh, six-pack, uh, obliques. All of this goes together. There is no, you know, episode 47 was what is true core training for cyclists and triathletes. Uh, how do you do it? So episode 47, you can go back and listen to that. But core training really is about everything between the neck, the elbows, and the knees. Before we dive deeper into this, we need to get one thing very clear. Ryan Hall, uh, one of the best American marathon runners of all time, uh, has come out, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, he did a piece on uh, Outside Magazine where he talked about the level of uh, unhealthiness he had for day-to-day -day, uh, things with his strength was insane when he was at his peak running form. And this is something we need to understand. When a, a pro cyclist is getting ready for the Tour de France or a pro triathlete is getting ready for uh, Kona, and you'll hear from one of the top strength and conditioning coaches uh, with professional triathletes here in 2021. Again, hit that subscribe button. I'm telling you, we've got tons of great stuff already recorded for you and great information. When you're at that level of, uh, of training, there are going to be times in the year where your strength 
must drop, and maybe it, maybe the word must is a little bit too strong. It should drop because you are so focused in on your specialization. Almost never uh, would I have a professional rider who's going through something like a grand tour uh, focus on heavyweight training because every ounce of their energy is going to pedaling their bike. Uh, there are stories of pro riders having the uh, soigneurs carry them up and down stairs because they just don't have the energy and they need to save every ounce of energy to pedal that bike an insane amount of kilometers through that three-week contest. Same with the Vuelta, any of the Grand Tours, really. Uh, There's going to be a time where strength training definitely needs to take a, a setback. But for most of us, that's not the case. We want to think about not just core mobility, and we don't want to think core and mobility. We don't need mobility. Let's get that straight, okay? If a muscle is shutting down a joint, there is a reason for that. There are three main jobs in this order of muscles in the body. Number one is to protect a joint from damage. That's number one. So if a muscle is tight, we need to go number one onto that list. The muscle is trying to protect a joint. What possibly could be going on that is causing this muscle to close down and to protect that joint? Is it weakness? Is something else unstable? And that leads us to number two of the muscle's job, to stabilize a joint while an adjacent joint moves. For cyclists, this is one of the reasons why the hips are so tight. We have lots of mobility in through the hamstring, uh, up through uh, the back, we're moving a lot side to side. Many cyclists, you can watch them from behind. They look like they're hula hooping as they're uh, getting rotation through the lumbar spine uh, and those joints as opposed to getting it through the hip. Uh, as well as number three, and the last job that we all think of, and that is to move a joint. So again, those three jobs in order. Number one, the number one job of a muscle is to protect a joint. The number two job is to stabilize a joint while an adjacent joint moves. And a number three job is to move a joint. That's it. That's all it needs to be. And there is a a sickness we have with mobility. And in fact, there was a study done. McGill was the second author, and I apologize. I, I had it written down in my notes, and I can't find it. I wrote it down a while ago. Again, this is out of order uh, for today's uh, podcast, so I apologize for that. Uh, but I think it was Morewood or Morehouse, something like that. And uh, she did the research on adding mobility for professional hockey players. Again, Dr. Stu McGill was the second author on this uh, research article, so you can look that up on the uh, on the appropriate uh, Google Scholar, wherever you want to look it up. And she added mobility to professional hockey players, uh, and what they found is that the extra mobility was not used in their sport or in their, in their uh, performance, and it didn't add anything. So what this means, and it's just one study, but I've seen this as well, uh, with CrossFitters that I've worked with, uh, with amateur athletes, with moms and dads who are serious endurance hobbyists, they add tons of mobility. And oftentimes what happens is their efficiency goes down. So if you're running with power, we can actually measure that. Uh, We can see your efficiency goes down and you're like, but I have all this mobility. What's going on? Um, I added all this mobility. I should be able to perform better. That's not how it works because you're breaking one of those three things. That muscle is tight for a reason. Now, the other thing is uh, to think about is Dr. Joel Seidman had a fantastic post on yoga and how yoga has a stigma for being safe and low injury rate, when in fact, uh, if you look at the actual injury rate, the reported, it's a little bit higher 
okay, it's more than a little bit higher than most general sports because people get into these extremes. So I've put the link over. You can also look uh, look up on Google, Dr. Joel Seedman Yoga, S-E-E-D-M-A-N, uh, Yoga, and this guy knows what he's talking about. You can actually buy his 600-page dissertation off of his website, uh, and it is uh, fairly fascinating. I've read a couple of excerpts. Uh, I have not committed to reading the whole thing yet, so I haven't uh, dived down into that quite yet, but uh, Dr. Joel Seedman is somebody who knows something about this uh, and isn't just, you know, giving his two, two cents uh, that don't really mean much. Um, as it comes to the core, this is where that mobility, you know, we think about running. I did a piece for Training Peaks, which shook uh, the triathlon coaches group over in USHT Triathlon on, uh, on Facebook. I shared that that link and it really stirred up a little bit of uh, controversy in there because people said, well, depends on what kind of stretching is bad. Because I said stretching is, is stretching a waste of time. And in fact, most static stretching beyond 15 or 20 seconds is uh, if you actually want to add range of motion that is beneficial for you and your sport, you need to add strength and strength endurance through that range of motion. And in fact, when it comes to the spine, when it comes to posture, we know that strength endurance is what you need. So you can get big and bulky and really strong and able to move heavy weights, but that's not actually going to protect you against a spine injury. It's that strength endurance. Uh, that's another topic for another uh, podcast episode here. But as it pertains for right now, the point is that adding mobility uh, or mobility workouts is not going to do it for you. Just adding range of motion doesn't do it. You need to add functional range of motion. And what functional means here, because it's been bastardized by the fitness industry and marketed the crap out of it, functional is strength through range of motion with great movement patterns and movement control. So we're looking for movement patterns, otherwise called engrams, that need to be changed and refined in order to make use of that additional uh, strength or movement. So for a lot of the cyclists that I've been working with, uh, triathletes, I just had a phone call last week, a wrap up uh, with a, a triathlon coach out of uh, Argentina, of Buenos Aires, um, and uh, he did my eight-week mid-season kettlebell workout, and he's dropped 20 seconds off of his uh, run splits, his long runs. 20 seconds uh, per kilometer, excuse me, off of his long runs. Uh, and this is over the eight-week program, and that's continued now for the last six weeks. That's pretty insane if you think about it. And what that originated from is his, and, and he's an athlete, so keep that in mind. He, he is programmed like an athlete. He moves well. Uh, we got him to learn how to lock together his rib cage and pelvis and to access his glutes to get that, a little bit more of that extension uh, with hip stability. So he had done some yoga and other stuff before we had mobility, but now he's having access to the glutes and able to go through that motion. But we had done literally 570 repetitions uh, of one specific movement through that uh, program to get him to maintain that core stiffness or proximal stiffness to get the distal motion. Uh, along with this, we also uh, learned how to fire the muscles on the feet. So that was considered core work. But we're talking about the glutes, we're talking about the feet. All of this is tied together. So in part one of this, when you're adding weightlifting to one's program, what do you recommend to continue with optimal core mobility workouts? These should be part of your strength training. This is the very core, pun intended, of strength training. And this is where we've gotten lost down this lift heavy shit and you're going to get stronger in sport. That's complete BS. I know tons of basketball players, uh, professional, amateur, and developmental who aren't lifting lots and lots of weight in the gym. You come in and they're not that impressive. Uh, they're doing some weight for Olympic lifting, let's say, uh, I don't know, 65 or 70 kilos 
for some hang high cleans and they're doing a hundred and 165 kilo back squat for a double um, but that's not really super impressive I know you're thinking 165 kilos for a double and a back squat is really impressive. Well, when you weigh 100 kilos and you're a professional basketball player, if you look at the standards, you should be doing 2.2 times body weight or 2, depending on who you're following. But those coaches who really know what they're talking about, and again, we've got quite a few coming up, so make sure you're subscribing and sharing. uh, They're going to share that it's not the numbers in the weight room that matter. The weight room should complement everything that you're doing so that you can do your sport better. That's really what this is about. And this is one of the problems that we have in the strength training for endurance uh, realm right now. And where I do have a little bit of regret of not being, you know, planting a flag in the ground way, way long ago when Ryan Cummings, uh, a previous client of mine, great friend, uh, Ryan, hello to you, Aaron, and the kids in Pittsburgh there, um, really hope, you know, he told me, you got to do a podcast, you got to blog every week, you got to just share your stuff. And I'm like, this is back in 2008. I'm like, no, nobody wants to hear what I'm talking about. I wish I would have done it. <laughs> Here's why. We have gone into this Americanization of more weight on the bar equals better. More weight on the bar equals better. No matter what I'm doing, deadlifts, squats, bench press, dumbbell, doesn't matter what I'm doing, I need more weight on the bar. The weight on the bar does not matter. And this is where we get into the second part of the question. So before we get into the second part, let me just recap, because I got on a little bit of a ramble, went off the, uh, the, the show rails a little bit. So the first part of the question was continuing with optimal core and mobility workouts. So we have established, or we've talked about how the mobility and adding range of motion doesn't actually help you. There's that study with McGill as the second author. I think Morewood was was who it was, uh, or Morehouse, something like that, something with an M. Uh, The added range of motion, unless you are training the body to produce uh, stability throughout. And I'm not talking on a bozu ball or a labile surface. I'm talking about stability in through the spine, the hips, and the rib cage to produce movement only at the hip down to the ground, in this case. When you've refined those motor control patterns or those engrams to be able to produce more movement or better movement, it doesn't always mean need to be more, but better movement because things are able, the muscles are able to one, protect a joint, two, stabilize a joint while an adjacent joint moves, and three, to move that joint, you are now becoming a more efficient runner. And again, if you're following one of Steve's uh, uh, programs, you'll actually be able to see this number as you go through your efficiency number. Now, uh, the core we talked about, uh, this includes everything between the neck, elbows, and knees, just to recap. And I mentioned the foot as well. So I really have stopped using core except for people uh, who are new or they're just not quite making, you know, connecting the dots. They'll say, okay, we're going to do core work today. They go, great. And then we'll do straight leg kickbacks and short foot exercise. And they'll go, wow, you know, I didn't know feet was part of core, but I could really feel that in my, in my, I don't know, like my glutes a little bit. Great. That's what we're looking for. Okay. So that's the first part of the question. Now let's continue. Uh, So Brian D said, I have recently started barbell strength training as a complement to my running. The program I'm following includes the back squat, press, bench press, deadlift, and power clean. And a side note, that's pretty, pretty well-rounded. Each workout includes the squat, but alternates press and bench press with deadlift and power clean. The prescriber of this program calls for three workouts a week with full rest days in between sessions. Over the past year and a half, I have been supporting the six-day-a-week P3, or Paladino Power Project, plans with five days a week of body weight or mobility. 
As the workouts of formal weightlifting are more challenging than bodyweight or mobility, I'm trying to resolve how to best manage stress and recovery. While I recognize that three days of lifting is likely too much, or is it, would the balance of the week be best served with only rest on easy days? Oh, there's so much in here. So let's start off where we need to start off, and that is at the beginning. So he recently started a barbell strength training as a complement to running. That's, that's our beginning, right? You're looking to add barbell strength training to complement your running. Now, the, the movements that this program includes, back squat, press, bench press, deadlift, and power clean, and, and uses the squat each workout, this sounds very much like a very general strength training program. And what I mean by that is we have the fundamental five plus one human movements, push, pull, squat, hinge, press, and rotary stability. And this is going to cover all of these as well as throwing the power clean in there. But before we dive any deeper into this uh, answer, we need to recognize the beginning. And that is the, the strength training, regardless of its barbell, kettlebell, dumbbell, body weight, is complementary to his running. And what that means is that all decisions for strength training need to be run-centric. We need to be able to take a step back and say what actually freaking matters here. And in his case, uh, it's a matter of being able to run better. So the first thing we need to, to, the second thing really we need to take into consideration is how much training stress has he done for strength training before? Well, he mentioned he's done body weight and mobility. Again, the mobility work, I'm not saying not to do it, but I'm saying there are ways that we can program into your strength training program uh, in an intelligent strength training program, which we've spoken about here many times on the <laughs> Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete podcast. Uh, and again, you can go back and listen to those episodes, uh, 47 being one of them. We can actually get you better mobility through your strength training program by better programming your body to be able to move better and using breathing and a number of other things. When we do that, that now begins to shift your barbell strength training away from a program for barbell strength into a sports performance program. And this is where really the top coaches uh, in the world are functioning. So Eric Cressy falls in there. Uh, Mike Robertson falls in there. Uh, Aaron Carsons falls in there. These are coaches who are looking at their athletes and their abilities uh, to be able to perform without taxing them too much in the weight room. Uh, Lee Taft is another one. We've had him here on, on the program twice. Um, Casey Hill is another one. He's a run specialist. He's someone else I'd strongly recommend. Uh, he was the second episode, I believe, here on the Strong Savvy Cyclist and, and Triathlete podcast. So what each of these is looking at is the fact that the running is the main focus, right? So that means I don't care how much you back squat. I don't care how much you bench press. I don't care how much you power clean. What I want are good, clean looking movements. Uh, and another podcast episode, we'll talk about a, another conversation that I recently had on the interwebs about how uh, squat range of motion, there is only one range of motion for everybody. A full kettlebell swing is only an American kettlebell swing. These types of things you need to get out of your head, especially as a runner, especially as a triathlete or a cyclist. There is no one answer. And when it comes to your barbell strength training, most of the programs out there that are masquerading as strength training for runners or strength training for triathletes or strength training for cyclists are simply mimicking the movements in your sport and doing more of what you're already getting tens of thousands of times. Lots of legs, lots of hamstrings, lots of deadlifts. But uh, I actually wrote a blog about this, how this creates a problem because you are not balancing the body. Remember how we talked in part one of our answer here about core mobility is core is everything between your neck, knees, and elbows. And really, I consider the whole body to be one. There is no real core. It just depends on the movement you're doing. So with that known, 
And we know that his complementary to running for the barbell strength program, that means that three days a week of barbell strength training for someone who hasn't done this before is quite a lot of work uh, from a number of perspectives. So let's break this down and we'll end the first part of this uh, this answer here because there is quite a bit more and we're getting close to that half hour uh, limit that I've put for the solo um, episodes here. Yeah, you can tell when I go off script, right? <laughs> um, so to answer the question and, and what we're talking about here is three days a week of strength training is quite a lot for this this runner. So he has done body weight and mobility before, and he's now looking to add an extra stress. Now, when you start adding external weight, it becomes actual resistance training. So a lot of people consider to be strength training for running, strength training for cycling or triathlon is actually just body weight movements, which is, we'd say technically motor unit refinement or uh positional challenges. So it's not really resistance training. And you'll hear from Harvey Newton, uh, one of the grandfathers, uh, or I'd say the grandfather of strength training for cycling in the States uh, here in a future episode. So again, hit that subscribe button, give us a review uh, and share this. Uh, Because I know a lot of runners and triathletes really need to hear this, this episode and part two when it comes out. When you're looking to add the strength training here, uh, you're really looking at adding stresses to the tissues into the bones. I want that to sink in for a second. You're not just picking things up and putting them down. And most of us as beginner strength trainers, and that's what it is, we're just doing strength training. We're not actually looking at performance because we're just thinking more strength is better strength. We'll see fast results very quickly for the muscles, but the connective tissue, the tendons, the ligaments, as well as the supporting structure, such as the bones, take much longer to adapt and they need to have more recovery. So as it pertains to the spine, uh, that's an area that I've done a lot of reading in and and a lot of personal experience as well with my issues is uh, the cancellous bone in the back takes time to restructure. And if you repeat an exposure to a deadlift or a squat, and a lot of people don't think of deadlift as having a negative impact on the spine because we're pulling from the ground up, but it does. Uh, There is a compressive force there that is happening because that weight is pulling you down as well as uh, if you're not doing the deadlift right or you're going through a different range of motion other than your body's designed to handle at that time, uh, you're placing a shearing force as well, which creates a whole host of other issues. But that crushing down on that cancellous bone, if you do not give it enough time, as well as the resources necessary to be able to uh, heal those micro fractures, you're essentially uh, going to be building yourself up for big issues down the road, uh, including possibly, I won't say specifics because it really depends on the individual, but let's just say that you are essentially slow crushing the bone and then you're going to have big issues at, at different parts of the spine because the bone is no longer supporting. It's broken, it's brittle, it's fragile. Now, for most individuals who are living a healthy life and uh, going through normal ranges of motion, uh, this restructuring can take anywhere from 36 to 72 hours. It really depends on their age, uh, their training history, have they done this before, uh, nutrition, sleep, hydration. So there's a lot of different things that come in. But if you're going to go into to barbell strength training, and this says that uh, each workout includes the squat, but alternate press and bench press. So to me, that raises three red flags right away. You're doing squatting three days a week, most likely heavy. 
you haven't given the tissues time to adapt to this, especially the spine. Uh, and I know I'm harping in on that a lot, but there are a large number of cyclists and triathletes who injure their back because they have good intentions and go into the weight room with reckless abandon and just start loading up the bar uh, following specific uh, training approaches. Uh, because when you lift heavy shit, it doesn't actually matter the weight on the bar, uh, as you're finding out here. So that squatting three days a week is not necessarily a good thing. So that's red flag number one, is you're now going from no externally weighted squats to doing it three days a week. 36 to 72 hours. I don't know about you, but if it were me, let's just be honest here, let's call a spade a spade. If I had a program that said three days a week, I would probably do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'm just being honest, right? Or, okay, let's be super honest. I probably am not going to go to the gym on a Sunday. So it'll be Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Do I have enough time in between my sessions to allow that back to heal? No. No, I don't. And when you're adding these loads, do most of us have the knowledge to say, hey, you know what? I know I went from the barbell to 40 kilos last week. But this week, 40 kilos feels easy. I should probably hold off because my bone needs more time to heal. No, we're going to say, hey, I can do this. This is easy. I'm going to go again. And this is one of those things that the top coaches and, and trainers know. And this is why, you know, why aren't we squatting today? Well, because there's just too much science to explain sometimes. And sometimes it's just got to be that parental answer of because I said so. So that's red flag number one. Each workout includes a, uh, the squat. That's a big red flag for me, going from none to a barbell. Now, the second red flag is that it's doing deadlift, power clean, and press. A power clean in and of itself is not that bad. But when we're talking about endurance athletes, again, these are connective tissues. This is a, a hip dominant movement that involves the upper body. Now, most cyclists, triathletes, and runners that I know that are good at what they do and enjoy their time out uh, aren't that strong or balanced in through the shoulders. That's the honest truth. Even with triathletes saying, oh, I swim all these kilometers, doesn't matter. Uh, really the shoulder function tends to be very poor. So that's red flag number two. You're deadlifting, power cleaning, and squatting essentially uh, three days a week. Now for an average person who's just getting into running, who has done strength training before, they've done maybe twice a week and they've, they've diddled around with bench press and squats and uh, bicep curls, okay, it's not as bad. They've done something, but the risk of injury is gonna be lower because they've been exposed to those loads other times. Now the last red flag is three days a week. And he and this comes from the next sentence where he says, over the past year and a half, I've been supporting six day a week of P3 plans and five day a week of body weight mobility. So this is pretty much telling me like, dude, you're going, you're, you're going to add load on top of a six day a week program, maybe take it down to two days of weight training, but that is a lot of training stress on the body. So the question then becomes, before we even talk about strength training, How's your nutrition? How's your energy throughout the week and throughout the days? How is your protein intake? How is your vegetable intake? These are all things that most of us don't think about, but these are really important questions to ask. Because if you don't address these, you don't have the foundations to be able to support the type of training you're looking for. And if you can't support that training, then why are we even having this conversation? Now, of course, some of you out there will say, but I need strength to be able to run better. Technically, yes. However, wouldn't you say you'd be able to run better if you slept enough, drank enough, and were eating well enough to help you recover and adapt to the workouts you were already doing? 
We can do tons of different stuff through that, that stress load that we talked about earlier, the movement and the lever arm uh, challenges of bodyweight exercises without adding external weight while we're getting those other things, including sleep. Sleep is where the repair happens. That's where a lot of the internal environment changes. The hormonal balance is going to be changed. And that's essentially the first part of the answer here is you have to take a step back and really look at what are you after. So if you're coming to me, Brian, and you're saying, I am starting barbell strength training to complement my running. And then you're telling me, but I'm doing, I want to do five to six days a week of running at my current uh, level. And I'm doing squat three days a week, plus bench press, deadlift, and power clean and alternating press with bench press and deadlift and the power clean, I would say, number one, we need to take a big step back here, Brian, and we need to look at what are your actual outcomes and what is this program built for? Is it built for actual running performance or is it strength performance? So there's a whole lot more I have to say about this. That's going to be in episode 77 because next week, as is the rhythm here at the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast, we have a guest episode. So uh, if you found this to be useful, I've already asked three times, so I'm not asking another time, but you know what to do if you found this to be useful. Hit a certain button, uh, let other people know about this, uh, and make sure you are checking out the Paladino Power Project. Now again, Steve's going to be a guest here in 2021, and we have lots of other ones coming up. Really great guests, tons of take-home, as well as part two just two weeks from today for this podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. I'm looking forward to seeing you, well, kind of through the microphone or screen here for part two of this answer to Brian on adding barbell strength to his running. And we're going to get into a couple of the comments down below uh, that will give you even more insight because there's quite a few really great conversations that happen in the comments threads. Uh, So again, if you haven't joined the Paladino Power Project and you are a triathlete or runner who is or is contemplating running with power, you got to be in there, man. Uh, You just got to learn. Until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you. That's it for this episode of the Strong Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HB Training. Until next time, Remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.